We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. That's a tough day to use that Marcus Peters intro bite. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads podcast, proud part of Rams Talk Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Steve Barrow here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's, uh, you know, great time for LA sports. The Lakers are about to start back up. The Dodgers are going to the playoffs. The Chargers look promising. Not much Not much else going on there, right? Yeah, you seem to be missing a team there, though, Steve. I shouldn't even give the Chargers props because they've been also a fucking mess. And, and let's be real, they just barely beat the, the Browns. And this is a Deshaun Watson list Browns. So, yeah, I don't know how special that is exactly. Dude, we just lost a Cooper Rush by double digits. Like, we are... Uh, I mean, I kind of expected that, though. We are in no place to sit here and criticize the Chargers for winning a game. (laughs) That's true. I'll give you that one. But uh, just being real here, man, uh, I don't expect the Chargers to go very far either. Though much further than us, the way the season's turning out. Yeah... I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Um, I haven't watched them closely enough to critique their flaws. Uh, one thing I have watched closely enough, though, to critique their flaws is the Los Angeles Rams, who are coming off their second straight loss, this time to the Dallas Cowboys. What was it, 20, 22-10? So, Johnny, and, and for people who have listened to our podcast, um, before the season started, like we looked at our schedule and we were kind of like, 
okay, the Bills game, we'll see what happens. They're a really good team. We might lose realistically. The Falcons are probably not going to lose. And then we have that three-game stretch of the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Cowboys where you were looking at it, and to me, and I think I said this a lot, I said that that three-game stretch is kind of going to tell us what this team is going to be in 2022. It's a three-game stretch against real teams that are beatable. Not that the Bills aren't beatable for a team that just won the Super Bowl, um, but the Bills are, you know, I think pretty clearly in the elite of the elite in the NFL. And before the season started, the Cardinals, 49ers, and the Cowboys were not in that class. And I think when we got to week three, these this three-game stretch looked even easier. Uh, and here we are, went one and two in that stretch. Uh, the only win being a not-sexy win against the Cardinals. Uh, lost to the 49ers, lost to the Cowboys. We are sitting here at two and three. This is the worst start of the Sean McVay era. We've never had a losing record through five games. What? How, how do you feel, man? I I have a lot of thoughts uh, that I actually wrote down so I can make sure I say them all. But how how are you feeling about this France team through five games? You know, I I'm not one to uh, to make excuses to be honest because. There's um, there's reality, and then there's, you know, just kind of deflecting the actual issue. And while there is a lot of things that's wrong with this team, I feel like we're just kind of exposed as, um, you know, the, the kind of the thin depth team that we are. And, you know, obviously there's more to it than that. But um, when you look at this game, especially this past game against the Cowboys, really the Rams, even though as horrible as they were, especially on offense, they there was still like a lot of times in this game uh, where they could have actually taken control over the uh, over the game and won it. But again, you get into the thinness at the depth particularly at offensive line. And it's very clear that the Rams are not set up to win. And part of the reason why the Rams went as far as they did last year is because while the injuries did happen to the Rams, it wasn't merely to the extent as it is now. And it's hurt them and hurt them bad. Um, so again, I'm not going to blame it solely on on injuries, but I will say it's a big majority of the reason. Now there are other things like certain areas that just weren't addressed at all, um, and some areas that just haven't been that effective. I mean, you can talk about how Allen Robinson hasn't really been a good match for the Rams. You could talk about how there's absolutely zero pass rush for the Rams, other than for Aaron Donald. You have guys like Jalen Ramsey having to go out there and put some pressure on the quarterback. And while, yeah, J- Ramsey is a special player, I'd rather his talents be elsewhere. Um, there's a reason why that's his first career sack, just saying. <laughs> yeah, there's. it's easy right now. A lot of people are pointing the blame at the injuries specifically on the offensive line. And I think it is obviously not that simple. 
because we had a healthy offensive line in week one, and they were let Matthew Stafford get sacked seven times. And you could say that's because we played the Bills. They have a great pass defense. But, I mean, when – obviously there's been injuries, but, like, when you've been this bad through five games and the guys that you're missing are Coleman Shelton and Brian Allen, like, you can't sit here and say, like, well, once we get Shelton and Allen back, we're going to be golden. Like, we're probably not going to be fucking golden when those guys come back. Uh, and it, I'm sure it'll ha- solve some problems, but – I don't know. I'm incredibly, incredibly concerned about this team, I think. And and to preface this, and I've said this before, we won a Super Bowl last season. All these moves they made to go all in on winning a Super Bowl worked. And we're going to deal with the consequences. That doesn't mean that the decisions that led us to this moment were wrong because they worked and we won the Super Bowl. And obviously things like, um, drafting Tutu Atwell, who we will talk about later in a positive light, um, are not good decisions and didn't contribute to winning the Super Bowl. But the regime succeeded in what they set out to do. And just because we're going to sit here and probably roast this team for the next 30 to 50 minutes, that doesn't mean that anyone, like, there wasn't a lot of wrong decisions made. There were a couple. And there are things that we're going to have to do to try and overcome this. But I, I think the let me if you want to put it on anything let me know because I might I might go for a while here I <laughs> I've spent a lot of time today like thinking about this team compared to 2019 which I think is really the only comparable start to a Sean McVay team in the what is this year six that he's been here that team started three and two, but obviously when they went into week six, they had that disastrous game against San Francisco and the Rams should win this week. Despite everything we're about to say, they should win this week against Carolina. And so the, both of these teams will be three and three, but when, like when you look at the teams, there's just so like so much sticks out in that the reasons that 2019 team was bad and started out bad and never fully recovered was the line stunk, um, and the line stinks now. But if you look at those first five games, Jared Goff was only sacked eight times. He was sacked 22 times that entire season. He played every game. Stafford was sacked 21 times through five games right now. It's the most in the NFL. And so even that line was better than what we have currently. Now, obviously, we're going through a little more injuries, and we don't have Andrew Whitworth right now, but... That line held up better there. That year, the running game was a little tough and seemed like it struggled a lot at times, but that season through five games, we ran for 481 yards. This year, we've ran for 312 yards, also the lowest in the NFL. Um, You could say, well, maybe that team was running the ball more than they were passing. We also were throwing for more yards through five games in 2019 than we are currently. Um and that that team struggled to take care of the football. They had 11 turnovers through five games. Rams is 12 right now. Now, like, <laughs> I, I this is just, like, the only bad start under Sean McVay. And I think that season, after that start, it was really hard to envision that team. You know, there are obviously things they could figure out and turn around. But through five, through, I'll say, six games for that season, 
the team coming off a of Super Bowl that they that, that they lost, that they won, they regressed to what felt like an unsolvable level, and it was not solved that season. They did not make the playoffs. They ended up finishing nine and seven, which is not bad. Even and you could sit and look at that team, and it was like there's not there wasn't an obvious solution to fixing their problems. And even adding Jalen fucking Ramsey in the middle of the season didn't solve that team's problems because they did not make the playoffs. And so you look at like where the Rams are at today. That team, I think the defense was worse. Um, if I remember correctly, and correct me wrong, I think that was Wade Phillips last season, and they parted ways after the year because it was pretty rough. Um, this year, the defense has been fucking great for ninety percent of the time. It, none of these losses have really been on them. Maybe they take some slot, some slack for Buffalo, but I don't really think any of the other games are their fault. But and then you look at the offense. And this is a Sean McVay offense with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They're 26 in yards. They're 32nd in rushing yards. They're 18th in passing yards. They're, Matthew Stafford is 24th cumulatively in the NFL and QBR. Uh, they are tied for the league lead in sacks allowed. And they are scoring the 29th most points per game in the NFL. The Rams, uh, who have been, who have produced multiple head coaches from Sean McVay's coaching tree because of how good their offenses have been, are at this position. They are minus 36 in point differential. Minus 36. Johnny, can you guess how many teams are worse? I'm going to guess we're about the worst one. We are the third worst behind Washington at minus 38. And the Steelers at minus 51, who were obviously blown out this week. Um, and that bumped those numbers up. But that's it. That's the whole list. The defending Super Bowl champs have the third worst point differential in the NFL. Am I crazy to sit here and like say, I'm not going to say this team is not going to make the playoffs. But it would be fucking crazy for a team to start out this bad. And get back to the Super Bowl. That seems impossible. Well, Steve, um, you won't say that they won't make the playoffs, but to be honest, from what I see, I highly doubt the Rams make the playoffs this year. They're not a lock, but there are seven spots. And right now they're eighth. But, like, you have to talk yourselves into the Giants or the Packers or the Vikings or – the Cowboys being fake, uh, the Giants might be, but I, I today I will say they're not, even though they are obviously also a very flawed team when it put one push will come to shove. But so you're going to have to jump one of those teams or win the division, and I definitely don't think they're going to win the fucking division. It, it's, it's kind of something where if this is the same Rams team that they have to roll with for the rest of the season – I would be incredibly shocked this team makes the playoffs. I, you know, I just, I don't, um, even you, you have to really look at the past few games that we've seen from the Rams and, you know, there's clearly a lack of talent that the Rams have had, uh, this season as opposed to last season. And albeit most of it is on the offense, but at the same time, it's like, 
can you really envision them winning a lot of these teams? This is still a very difficult schedule, you know, and while they kind of get, you know, a bit of a break against the Panthers this week, that's still not even a lock either, if I'm being honest. And you know? I, I think the worst possible things have happened going into that game is that they fired their bum-ass head coach, and now that could end up being a team that's fired up to win a football game. Uh, now, uh, Baker's out. Whether that's a positive or negative, I'll leave that up to you. I would say it's a positive for us. Um, P.J. Walker is the backup, who I, I believe was 2-0 and last year. So, but yeah, it's we're playing one of the few teams who is more of a dumpster fire than we are. And we can't sit here and say that it's a lock to win at home. It's it's definitely not a lock. And and that's why it's it's a little bit disturbing when you're when you're really saying this about a Super Bowl uh a Super Bowl winning team last year, and then this year you're like, can they actually beat the Panthers at home? That's not a good sign. Now, mind you, I still think that they pull out the W. It's still the Panthers. It's still a Baker Mayfieldless Panthers. I don't know, like Steve said, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Uh, but at the same time, like, I, it would not shock me at all if the Panthers upset the Rams this week. Not the way the the Rams have been playing. The only way I see this happening, though, is if the defense just completely implodes. Because, you know, other than against the Buffalo Bills, the Rams defense has played solid. And, you know, we've been talking about injuries a lot, particularly on the offensive line. What about the defense? The defense has kind of overcome their share of, of uh, injuries. You know, they, they're they starting a, a, a sixth-round uh, rookie, you know, uh, yeah. at cornerback. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That says a lot. And we're kind of just wasting what's been a, a really impressive season from the defense because of just how fucking pitiful the offense has been. And like, the answers aren't in the building. It, like, like what? What? I, the root problem is obviously the offensive line, but when they get healthy, it's still not that good of an offensive line, in my opinion. Do you, I mean, do you disagree? No, 
no, not at all. And and we're starting to see, you know, that how important Andrew Whitworth was last year. Um, I mean, I think we all knew that, but we're seeing it firsthand now. Um, but it's not even just the loss of Whitworth. Uh, you know, it was – we're starting to see, you, you know, guys like David Edwards playing out of position. We could overcome that last year because he was kind of the worst one on, on the offensive line, and we can live with that. Now it's kind of being exposed because he's supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, one of your better veteran offensive linemen, and he's just not. You could clearly see that he's playing out of position now. And it's, and Rob Havenstein, it, Rob Havenstein, who's our best offensive lineman, got absolutely abused this week, just – torn to pieces. I know it's Micah Parsons who's one of the best players in the NFL period, but just got his ass kicked up and down the field. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's true too. You know, there really hasn't been a clear good offensive lineman this year. Um, and that's been another issue. I, it, it could be, again, uh, a sort of balance to where, you know, the the whole blocking scheme, you know, relies on and I'm sure that's part of it as well. But, yeah, Havenstein has not been impressive that much either. Yeah, and and then you look beyond the offensive line. The the running backs are not getting a lot of holes. But Cam Akers through five games has not been very good. And they will not quit giving him the ball. They will not commit to Daryl Henderson being the top guy for God knows why. Uh, and I'm not even a huge Henderson fan. But, I mean, he's clearly better through five games. Like any eye test and and then any analytics on top of that will tell you that this guy is the better option. I mean that that's true, right? I yes and no. Uh, so in a way, I I kind of agree. In a way, I kind of disagree. I think in a way that Cam Akers it's kind of like a different type of running back, but at the same time, if Cam Akers has to rely on having a good offensive line to be a good running back, then he's simply not a good running back. And, you know, if, if uh, Daryl Henderson, you know, can somehow manage to find more yards and he's not even really a power back at all, uh, then you're going to have to give the ball more to, to Daryl Henderson. I think the answer is that Akers has more potential, and I think that um, Sean McVay is still clinging to that hope that Akers will develop and blossom into this running back that we all hope for. But again, if he has to rely on a good offensive line, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and it's... And that's part of the reason we got rid of Jared Goff, I think, is because he became so reliant on reliant on having pristine offensive line play that when things broke down, he couldn't do anything. And we ship him off to Detroit. We bring in Stafford, who has very good offensive line play last year and went Super Bowl. Now this year, Jared Goff has great offensive line play, and he's playing very well. Whereas Stafford has awful offensive line play. And this is a guy who's had a lot of bad offensive lines throughout his career. So you'd think he'll be a little better with a bad offensive line. Uh, and he's not. Uh, he's also playing fucking terrible. 
it's it's a big bummer. And I you know, it's like I don't know what the solve is. I, I don't think it's in the building. And I don't know if it's out of the building either. You know, the I'm seeing people like today there was a lot of rumors that Christian McCaffrey was on the trading block and then it was reported that he's not at all. And yeah, that'd be fucking great if we could go get him, but A, we're not going to. And B like does just trading your picks for somebody this year, is that going to unlock the team? I don't know because, like, there's edge rushers you can trade for, but how much better does this defense have to be? Because they're not the problem. Um, and I think one of the, the biggest things you could do to help the team is get a time machine and tell them not to sign Allen Robinson. But <laughs> I don't know, man. This is just – it's a very tough situation to look at and break down because it's such a shit show, and I don't think the answers are are here. Like this is not an easy solve. This is a a bad. I, like I think we could say today they are a bad football team, and I don't think they'll be a bad football team come the end of the season. But they will. I also don't think they will be a great football team. I, I just don't think the pieces are there right now offensively. And I think that's fair. Uh, that's absolutely fair to say because, you know, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, again, there hasn't been that many complaints. Uh, there are definitely pieces that could make the defense overall better. But if you if you make your defense better, what, what the hell are you going to do with your offense? And it, as far as trying to get Christian McCaffrey. I, I'd love nothing more than to get him, but at the same time, what the hell are you going to do with that? That's like having a nice high-performance motor and you don't have a chassis to put it around. You know? I I, I struggle to see the logic in that. I, I'd love him, don't get me wrong. I think it'd be awesome, and I do think he might improve the ground game a little bit, but seeing as how his injury history has been, especially the past couple of years, I think he would be like one of the first ones gone, you know, as far as injuries wise goes. Uh, he has absolutely zero blocking to help him. And, you know, I would feel bad in, in the end, you know, because then we get rid of all these picks to get him. And it's like, okay, well, there went that. Yeah, and then the the next thing is, what money do we possibly have to, to actually get him? You know, I I fail to see the logic in that at, at all. I I don't know his contract details. If if uh, I'm not mistaken, he's probably on a pretty big contract. I I think with less need, you can never you never have to worry about it. I guess. <laughs> like, I guess. Like, and especially when you're trading the Panthers can eat a lot of the salary depending on the draft capital we're giving up. Uh, it, it's a, it's kind of a point of this discussion because this is not going to happen. Um, and, yeah, yeah, like you said, is it is it worth when we have no draft picks to trade for a injury-prone running back? If the team was – if this trade, if I believe this trade would take them back to the Super Bowl level – then yeah, I'm for it. And if they believe that, yeah, go for it. Any trade that they believe would take them back to that level, 
I'm fine with mortgaging the future even more because it's already mortgaged. Uh, and so, yeah, but, like, unless you can get a game-changing offensive lineman, I, I don't know what move would, would do that. You can go reacquire Von Miller. He's, he, he can't play left guard. <laughs> yeah, no no question. I Again, there, there, there is no easy fix. I mean, even, let's say let's say an offensive guard becomes available uh, for shits and giggles. Let's say he, one becomes available. I don't know if that solves anything either because, well, first of all, it's, it's not like he can play and, you know, be plugged and play right away. Uh, he has to learn the offense and he has to gel with the offensive line. And that's going to take some time. You know, that that's it's not a simple position to alter midseason. And that's why even if we do land an offensive lineman, it it's gonna take a few weeks for for him to even become, you know, part of the solution. So let's say that he does start to mold or whatever and become uh, an important part of this offense. You still have several other offensive line uh, positions that need attention badly, and you know I I don't know, man. I it, it's just it's kind of one of those things where you're you're gonna have to eat, wait next year, and it it's it's gonna get even more complicated next year because you don't really have a quick solve. It's not like the Rams are really in a financial situation to be like, you know what? We're going to do what we did when we had, uh, when we had money and we're going to sign the best left tackle out there, shift Joseph Noteboom over to right tackle or whatever the solution may be. You know, that, that doesn't become an easy fix because we don't have the money. And it's kind of the consequence of signing players long-term. I still don't have any regrets because I think at the time it was the right decision. And hell, we got a Lombardi trophy out of it, but we are starting to see the consequences of these choices. Yeah, and I think the big thing is, like, we, you know the window cl- closes quickly in the NFL. We've talked about it at length over the years. And that's why you make all these decisions to extend your window. And I think, like, we just didn't expect the window to shut this quickly. And I don't think it's completely shut. Like, it is not slammed shut. Um, but I think that your window is jammed right now, and the repairman can't come until March is how I feel about the Rams currently. And, like, there are certain people who thought about leaving the house last year that decided to come back for another year, and if they change their mind and retire, then the window is never getting fixed. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. It's just uh, it's kind of tough to look at right now. And hopefully, as Rams fans, I'm sure other teams' fan bases are also like this. We are the most overreactionary people on the fucking planet. So maybe we are overreacting. We can reassess this in a month. But I don't know. I don't know. I kind of hope so, man. Uh, I... 
I mean, you know, you and I have always been kind of one of those types of people that, you know, whenever we're wrong, we're happily willing to admit it, especially when it's like a kind of doom and gloom kind of vision. Um, you and I have eaten our fair share of crow on this podcast. Um, and honestly, I hope that's the case because like, uh, you know, at the moment, I just, I don't see a bright and sunny uh, scenario where the Rams, you know, regroup um, and just somehow pull out, you know, to me at this point of, of the season, seeing what I've seen, I think a victory for the Rams this year would be as if they made it to the playoffs. And I think we can really put the Super Bowl on the back burner at the moment. You're like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's realistically an expectation, but I think the season's a failure if you don't have a deep playoff run, which is fine because, again, we won last year, okay? Like, we did it, and I can't imagine how fucking depressing talking about this team would be if they lost that Super Bowl. Like, oh, my God. It would be so brutal to sit here and talk about this team if they didn't win that game. Yeah, thankfully they won it. Um, Thank God, especially, man. especially with all, I I I know you probably get as many text messages from your friends and family um, that aren't Ram fans that you know seeing how terrible the Rams are. I've been getting nonstop texts from friends and family uh, about man, what happened to the Rams? The Rams suck, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not alone on this feeling, right? No, no, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, Let's touch on a couple quick hits about this game. Um, You said, you mentioned that we don't mind being wrong, and I still think I'm right about this, but how about Tutu Atwell sneaking in for a little 54-yard first catch of his career, Johnny? It was kind of a uh, good feeling gone type of scenario on that one. Uh, <laughs> seeing like such a wonderful play and, you know, kudos to the Tutu on that one. You know, it wasn't the most perfect throw either. He actually did have to work for this catch. Um, but yeah, I- I'm happy for the guy. You know, he finally gets his first catch and, you know, um, that doesn't really put any of our criticism to rest, but uh, that was nice to see, I guess. <laughs> and, then, and then they settled for a field goal after that. <laughs> I, I was most happy for him. Like, I think he needed that more than anybody, uh, you know, to just, like, show he can actually play football. And I'm a little upset that, like, that is a thing in the playbook that could potentially work, and he was just not active last week. Like, who did they suit up over him? McCutcheon? Like, I, I don't know. Um, but it was nice to see, and I hope they continue to have that in the arsenal. You know, he has uh, – I think he has half as many yards this year as Allen Robinson now. Yeah, that's that's sad. Literally half. He has 54. Al Robinson is 107. I, I, I have no thought. I, I, I'm out of words for the Al Robinson situation. What just a, what a fucking waste of money. Um, I'm not even sure if it's more his fault or 
the coaching staff's fault for not getting the ball or Stafford's fault for not looking at him. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just it's a, a money pit. Any ride receiver on the roster can play that role right now. <laughs> There's no question. And, and I think it's a, a, a combination of a lot of things. I don't think it's one thing, but I have to say, you know, while I'm no coach or anything like that, his failure to create separation is just kind of astounding. You know, I, I maybe we expected too much, but I don't think it's a lot to expect him to at least get open a little bit because part of the reason why Matthew Stafford sucks a lot is because he's, he is looking for, for people to get open and he, you could tell that he's forcing things to happen because he doesn't have any alternative. It's either that or get his, his, uh, his uh, head beaten in with sacks or throw the football away or, you know, he's trying desperately to find something and you can only throw it to Cooper cup and Tyler Higby so many times, you know, you, you have to have other guys there. And that's what Allen Robinson was for, but man, it, it, it's at the point where it's like, can we get Odell soon? I don't know if that's all as much of anything, but geez, man, I, I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that's a, a good thing to have uh, Allen Robinson just there. I mean, the the worst part about this is that, you know, they signed Allen Robinson to a three-year, $45 million contract. It's, there's not a ton of guaranteed money there, but essentially you do that, and then you trade Robert Woods. You know, a lot of people are saying, like, it was the wrong move to – get rid of essentially trade woods for Robinson. And you can make that case, but I think the worst part of it is we're paying Robert Woods, $12 million this year. So like you ate dead money to get off of him and essentially replace him with Allen Robinson. You did that last year with Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford and look at the, look what the reward was, but there is no reward right now. It's the reward is nothing. It's just a, it's just a burn. You're you're burning money on both Robert Woods and Allen Robinson, which is like the worst possible place you could be in with that transaction. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Like, I, I'm, I'm not 100% out, 
on Robinson, but I am not holding my breath. No, I, I'm I'm kind of the same there. But for the argument for Robert Woods, I I get it because Robert Woods was was the standard for us for ever. Um, you know, he, he thrived with the Rams for so long. And then, you know, we just trade him away after one season with Matthew Stafford. But I think part of the reason wasn't necessarily the fact that the Rams gave up hope on, on Robert Woods. It was that the relationship or the chemistry between Robert Woods and Matthew Stafford was clearly not there. He was not Robert Woods with Matthew Stafford because he was a completely different quarterback than uh, Jared Goff. And that's why, if you even, uh, you know, if you recall, why um, the Rams specifically traded Woods to the Titans is because they figured he would thrive there. Of course, the Titans have their own issues, but... Um, Better record than us. <laughs> there's that, yeah. But, uh... <laughs> damn, that's sad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the... Uh, the type of offense that the Titans run does benefit him more. Um, maybe it would have been more beneficial to have Woods than Robinson. I, I think that's something we can all agree on. But at the same time, it's like, who was to know? Who was to know that the offensive line would be among the worst that the Rams have had in quite some time? Who was to know that, you know, Allen Robinson would just basically be a body out there? You know, there's it's really kind of like a, you know, retrospective move because let's, let's be real. None of us were really saying this until the season actually started. Oh yeah. We were, we were fine with this move. And because in theory, Allen Robinson adds a different type of player to the offense than Robert Woods, whereas with Robert Woods, he does a lot of the same stuff. Cooper cup does just not as well which is not saying it is bad. Cooper Cup's like the best receiver in the league today. But Robinson adds a different type of receiver to the offense. The problem is he's not doing anything. You know, like you're not getting that type of receiver. You're getting fucking nothing. Um, and so, yeah, like if <laughs> I'm going to cry if I get a notification on Twitter that Odell Beckham signed with a different team, I will not be well. They they need they need that guy. They they need some type of spark. And I know he won't be here till November, but like there is enough time to make the playoffs. And we'll see how things shake out. It's brutal, man. I guess it'll depend on where the Rams stand and if he wants to play for a Super Bowl contender or not. <laughs> yeah, you know what, dude? Like if we're four and five by the time he's healthy why would he come here at the same account too like why would it matter <laughs> like like don't get me wrong i'd i'd love nothing more than to have odell Beckham back on the team but it's like if we're on a clear path to not even making the playoffs why go out and sign him to try, but we'll see. Um, you wanted to talk about Micah Parsons tweeting about the reps. 
he tweeted a picture of Rob Havenstein hugging him. And the caption says, we won't call this, but we'll call rough in the passer, LOL. Can we focus in and protect defensive players? My my thoughts on that is, first off, Rob Havenstein was just so excited to to meet Micah Parsons that he, that he felt like he needed to hug him the entire game. Um, yeah. uh, the uh, the reason why I wanted to address that is because I think even though like it's obviously a bad look for Rob Havenstein, Micah Parsons does bring up a great point because there's no doubt that the NFL continuously favors the offensive players and it's basically to the point where it's pretty much just, you know, uh, you're going to protect the quarterback to the point where you have to basically ask permission to get a sack. And that's what we saw with Michael Parsons. He's not wrong at all, but at the same time, it's nothing new. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times a day, uh, a game that we see Aaron Donald constantly hold. It's even to the point where, like, we don't expect it anymore. You know, he, yeah. he's going to be held every just about every single down. So it's just kind of amusing to me in a way. But at the same time, he's not wrong. You know, the NFL does need to crack down a little bit because, yeah, that that hold uh, that, that, that he has a picture of on Rob Havenstein – that that can't be okay. That that needs to be a penalty. And yeah, he had an Aaron Donald type performance where he was getting held and still dominated the game. Donald did it yep. a little too in this game, but we didn't win. Yep, I I just I thought it was a little interesting because he he has a very good point, and uh, I hope it's something that the NFL cracks down on. I. It's just I felt like a lot of this was an NFL overreaction to, you know, obviously the situation with uh, Tua, you know, the Tua Tagovailoa uh, from the Dolphins. Yeah. I kind of figured it was going to happen, but the NFL kind of took it to the extreme. It wasn't just for the Rams versus uh, uh, Cowboys game. It was also the Bucks game. Um, I think it was uh, – another there was another team i forget but yeah there was there was quite a bit of questionable roughing the passing calls i get it in a way but at the same time the nfl needs to stop protecting these offensive players to the extent they are yeah yeah i mean yeah i it's just like if you're going to protect them you got to protect everybody but I, I get it. I, I get both sides of the argument. I don't really have a strong take either way. Um, did we hit everything? Do you have any takes about the crowd in this game? Because I don't. It was what we all expected. And, you know, the funny thing is I will, I, I will say a, a little comment because I, I do get asked this a lot as a Rams fan, as to why our fan base is not that big um, compared to other teams. And, you know, it's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons. It's from not having a L.A. team for over 20 years in the NFL. So a lot of a lot of people have 
a dedicated fan base to other teams across the league that is anywhere near Los Angeles. Um, and, and, you know, I can't necessarily blame them, but at the same time, it's, it is kind of amusing to me. I see all kinds of memes uh, suggesting that um, like a very popular meme that's going on right now saying that we boo the San Francisco giants uh, from baseball, but yet, um, you know, there'll be fans that root for the San Francisco 49ers. So it's just, it's kind of a funny scenario, but you know, it's, I used to think it was just California fans. It's not just California fans. I mean, I literally uh, was uh, talking to a a guy from Texas uh, this past weekend who is a diehard Green Bay Packer fan. And he lives in Texas. He's not a Cowboys fan. He's not a Texans fan. It's just how the NFL is nowadays. You know, it, and even Steve can attest to that. Yeah, a lot. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast can relate to being Rams fans and not living in LA. I'm sure plenty of you guys do, but I'm also sure plenty of you guys don't. And like, I went to the Giants Cowboys game two weeks ago, and it was certainly still a Giants crowd, but there was a lot of Cowboys fans. And when the Cowboys made plays, it was loud. They are the most popular team in the NFL. And, you know, our success is going to help us years, years down the line. Because I'm sure lots of kids are growing up as Rams fans right now. Uh, They are not going to pay to go to games. Their parents have got to take them to games. If they're in L.A., it might be easier. But this game, you look at tickets, they started at, what, $250? Like, it's not an easy thing to get to this game. And, like, it's just obvious. You know, L.A. is not only is it a transplant city, it's a city with a lot of sports teams. And so even, like, if you're from L.A. and you're born and raised, you might be a Lakers fan, a Dodgers fan, a Kings fan, and a Packers fan, like you said. And because you already have all that local affiliation – I wouldn't blame somebody for not wanting to drop the team they've rooted for their entire life to pick up a new team. It's not like when the Thunder moved to Oklahoma City and they're the only professional sports team in that city. Like, yes, the natives from that city should stop being Laker fans and become Thunder fans. But when you have so many sports in your city, I don't really blame anyone. And we've already seen an improvement in Rams fans since we moved there. Um, this game five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to hear a peep when the Rams made a play. And I, I think it was more Cowboys and Rams fans this game, but it was certainly still loud when the Rams made plays. So we're making progress, but yeah, it's a, it's a long way to go to really, um, becoming a popular team there. And ultimately, like, I don't think we will ever have a point where you go to a Rams Cowboys game at SoFi and there's not a shitload of Cowboys fans. No, no, I, I no matter what team, you know, I, I feel like there's always going to be a Cowboys presence, no matter what, just because of how popular of a team they are. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be a while before the Rams fan base expands, but yeah, it's. I, I just think it's an NFL thing in general. For whatever reason, I feel like out of just about any sport, I feel like the NFL fan base 
is a little bit more diverse than just being secluded to their own city. Um, you know, especially when you compare them to like, uh, you know, teams from the MLB, it's really not as common. Uh, it, it, it exists. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I feel like they're, you know, for the popular or for the, for the teams that are doing well, usually these are teams that are, you know, natives, you know, um, and there are teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees that have, um, you know, traveling fans, but it's, again, it's, I wouldn't say it's as common as like having uh, a, a fan base like the Dallas Cowboys, you know? Yeah. Right. And like, like you said, like the Yan- if you go to a Yankee game anywhere, they're going to be Yankee fans there. Uh, and the Cowboys are the, they, they're the football equivalent of the Yankees. You know, they had a lot of success a thousand years ago and won't shut up about it. And as a result, they have the most fans in the league. Ain't that right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, um, totally agree. And uh, just, I can't wait till the fan base expands because I'm not going to lie. I am a little sick of seeing other fan bases here. Um if well, we can just limit it to just, you know, like uh, good traveling fan bases like the Cowboys, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, if if this week's game is a Panthers home game, then we <laughs> will rightfully should be getting shit on by everyone because that's kind of pathetic. This is not a fan base that should be doing that. So, yeah, get, make up for it Sunday if you're in L.A. Go to the game. You going to the game? I'd love to. Um, I'll have to see. I, I I could definitely afford it this time because I did actually think about going to the Cowboy game. But, yeah, with parking and everything, being around 320 bucks, yeah, a bit of a tough pill to swallow. And then to see them get their asses handed to them like that, that would have been an even tougher pill to swallow. Yeah, it says right now tickets start at $31. So, I mean, this game should – you should at least – it should be affordable to – because, yeah, I'm with you. I'm – I'm not paying three hundred dollars to go sit in the nosebleeds. I'll pay fifty. I'll pay eighty maybe for a football game. Not three hundred. Oh man, that's you know the brutal thing about that is thirty-one dollars is awesome, but you're gonna pay a shit ton more for parking than you are for the actual ticket. Yeah, that's you know that's um I'm saying I'm gonna miss the most about whenever I move out of New York city is I could go to any of these games and not have to worry about parking. I took a, I took a bus to MetLife and I'm in Queens and that was like $15 round trip. Yeah. That's not really a thing quite yet. I mean, it, it sort of is, but yeah, I mean, to be fair though, um, SoFi is a brand new stadium and it's going to take it's going to take some time for there to be like a direct route to uh to SoFi. Hopefully this becomes a lot easier as time goes on, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't really have any a lot of thoughts about this Rams game against the Panthers. Okay, so first of all, we're 11 point favorites, which is fucking crazy. That is insane. The money <laughs> line is Five hundred fifty, dude. We're we're not good. I know they're worse, but 
They've scored more points this year. They have a better point differential. They just have one less win. Uh, you know, they're playing P.J. Walker. So, yes, we should win this game. But I would never bet that spread. I would never you, bet that spread. You're making me want to bet the spread now. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they blow out the Panthers because they're bad. But I'm not betting on this team to blow out anyone right now. I mean, uh, we, you have a point there. We beat the Falcons by what two? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still think they'll win, though. Uh, the Panthers are bad, and they're going to be playing a third-string quarterback. If you lose this game, it, 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 I don't mean to overreact, but if we lose this game, this season's over. No, it's not an overreaction. It's reality. Because yeah, you need to win this game because you go into the bye week. Hopefully, you can get guys healthy, and then you have to play the 49ers, Bucks, Cardinals, Saints, Chiefs, Seahawks, Raiders, Packers, Broncos, Chargers, Seahawks. Obviously, not all those teams are that good, but um, a lot of them are. The 49ers and the Bucks is not what you want to open your bye week coming out to. So we'll see. Um, all right. Well, you can wrap it up there. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at C Rivero, at Johnny Five Not Six, at Talk Rams. We had to change our recording software halfway through the podcast, so I'm not gonna play an outro. So goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.